What's good, everyone? It is the Puerto Rican Pyros, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we are reviewing none other than the most recent pay-per-view from AEW, which is Double or Nothing 2021. And we're going to start off with the buy-in, which is Riho versus Serena D for the NWA Women's title. And this match had to be difficult for the sheer fact, get this, that Tenta is at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, which is an outdoor amphitheater. You can see the sun setting. Beautiful, right? Except it's a distraction when you're doing acrobatics over the top rope, if you if you are a high flyer, and the sun's right in your eyes. Can you imagine trying to do anything like that and you just constantly get blinded? Like, that, that shit sucks. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It just sucks. So it's a challenge where you're trying to, it's the golden hour. Like, they start the matches up on the golden hour, which is the highest peak, the sunset, the sky looks yellow and let me tell you something these two ladies are pros both of them veterans in the business for different reasons one in japan in joshi wrestling and one in i believe ovw and also wwe veteran serena deeb so they both got their caliber of expertise only issue is they both have to deal with the sun and outdoor stadium which hasn't been done much not even just in the weekly episodic wrestling show but also when you do a pay-per-view which usually happens once a year they do something epic outside but because of the pandemic they've been stationed in jacksonville luckily they were able to continue and it's what kept the company afloat you think about it if they couldn't do wrestling outdoors they would have to shut down AEW from the get-go when the pandemic first started until now they would have had to have gone on hiatus like, can you imagine trying to build back up after just starting a company up they would have lost so much money so Tony Khan and Shot Khan lucked out that they actually do already have a built-out amphitheater for concerts, you know, like for an arena show, like how you do concerts outdoors. So I'm over here like, okay, this is going to be a tough matchup. And what a matchup it was. You can tell that these ladies know what they're doing. They have both both very distinct styles. Like Riho is a high flyer who does some strong style stuff, but not a lot. She's more of the very much in the vein, I don't like to make comparisons, but similar to how Io Shirai flies everywhere. Rio does that. Only difference is Io Shirai's got a 30 pound advantage on Rio. Rio's like 90 pounds maybe, and she's like five foot two. And Serena Deeb isn't exactly tall, she's five five, but she's at least a normal weight of 120 pounds for a wrestler. Like that's normal weight for late most women, period. But like to be in this business, you kind of have to have some leg weight in your legs, and especially in your thighs, if you're able to explode and do certain moves like suplexes, so there's that old motto of like, you know, leg strength is really, leg done, never skip leg day, right? So this matchup is great. A lot of technical wrestling, not as much high flying as I expected, but that's a good thing because not every matchup has to be. You're going to have plenty of that later on. But for this matchup, it was a very solid women's match that even people that aren't typically fans of Rio really gave her a, a round of applause because she was able to hang in there with a veteran like Serena. And I'm not taking anything away from Rio. She's a veteran, but she started very young. She started in a I think nine, 10 years old, and she's like 24 right now, where Serena Deeb is a veteran of the OBW system, which is a very much important American staple that anybody that graduates from that school has come out to be a megastar in not just WWE, just wherever they ended up. And also if you come from the Landstorm School of Training, or if you come from any of these prestigious schools like the Heart Dungeon, the Heart Family, they, there's some, they carry some weight. And in Mexico, I'm pretty sure there's, you know, the most, like, Mil Mascara's family, the Los Santos, like there's a bunch of families that 
almost like wrestling is almost like the old school kung fu where they were kind of taught within in-house in your own family before it's onto the world so you're like oh you know you wrestle this style this style so these two ladies have come from systems that they are essentially masters of what they know but in order to have that chemistry in the ring they must have really trained well because i do know serena d backstage is occasionally well she was out of injury for her leg for i forget it was her ankle or her achilles she was out for a few months but she was able to retain the nwa women's belt because she's that good of a wrestler they're like you know what there's nobody else to for to carry it than you if you got a couple months off to heal up go for it and these two broke tore down the house they tore down the house it was a, uh, a barn burner match i enjoyed every bit of it and i was in there not apprehensive but it's the buy-in this isn't technically the pay-per-view it's the show to get you to buy in to watch the pay-per-view but i loved it the fans were so into it first off this is a full packed house and we haven't had much of those except outside of like probably ufc recently and you know with all this occurring with the pandemic and we're kind of getting back to normal quote-unquote normal in florida kind of really treated it like it was not a big deal but that's neither here or there they're they're able to actually have full packed houses now because people are vaccinated so it's kind of great that we in this side of the world have the luxury to go out to sporting events and you know most of the world's still suffering with this thing so we're hanging in strong there i hope everybody is able to get the vaccines they're needed so they can go back to normal as well so here we go and this main this main event of the pre-show it's the only match of the pre-show but it felt like a main event match and it was really great back and forth with these two girls and they tore down the house i'm literally giving this match a four star rating that's how good it was it was very much like you can tell they have some chemistry in the ring but it just played out like they've been wrestling before and the way that serena was able to get heel heat and what i mean heel heat she wasn't trying to be a bad guy she was ferocious she treated it like a bout it felt like an actual match it did not felt like a wrestling match it felt like she was in there trying to win the olympic medal or something like this is how you tear the house down you bring 110 percent no matter where you are in the card and that's what really matters in this business if you can you got 10 minutes uh hour whatever time you utilize that maximize that time and let people remember it and this is one match i will not be forgetting so from here we go on to the next matchup which is brian cage versus hangman adam page and it's a one match that i didn't really have much of expectations beforehand but it's also the team taz versus dark order beef that's been going on for almost a year now so it, that's how it ties in and these two are like the top dogs in both their factions so all right let's continue this gang warfare <laughs> so it's a lot of reversals in the offense both of them got their shit in uh, over the top maneuvers they really came in with their like you know this is gonna be a pay-per-view caliber match we're gonna give people paper uh, pay-per-view caliber movesets and they both were very flashy with their moves at first until he got really into the matchup brian goes for a buckshot larry kind of like making fun of adam page but adam page went for f5 because brian cage does the f5 now and then they both reversed with soup german suplexes and i'm like thinking to myself these guys are both giant brock lesnar marks <laughs> and i'm loving it they're using any move they can find in the arsenal poison ranas uh frankenstein whatever they can do and mind you, Brian Cage is a big-ass dude, but he's a flexible big-ass dude. Like, he was not this big not too long ago, so he still has that, quote-unquote, cruiserweight or high-flyer moveset, but for a guy that's, like, this dude's, like, 
almost as big as a brick house. Like he can do also power moves on top of that too. So he is, in my opinion, one of the perfect athletes in pro wrestling. Like he looks like what pro wrestling looked like in the eighties and nineties. But the fact that he can move like a wrestler in 2021, that's very impressive. So Brian goes for a buckshot. Then you got Adam Page versus F5. German suplexes all over. Then we get a run in by Hook and Ricky Starks. They come in to help. Cage actually refuses help. And I'm kind of shocked by this. I figured Cage would be like, you know, like, whatever. But no, he's really trying to prove himself that he doesn't need his team to win. So they're both there egging him on. Ricky Starks there in ringside. Hook there. And he's like, give him the FTW belt. And he's like, nah, I can do this on my own. And then Brian Cage, being overconfident, tosses Adam Page aside, looks. Be, turns his back to his opponent. Rule number one, you never turn your back to your opponent. So Hangman sets up for the buckshot lariat and catches him as he's turning around and he takes all out on him and hard and guess what? One, two, three, pinned and Hangman won that match. And then you get that post-match beef section where you think that Brian Cage is like dissented and turned his team but he can't beat up Starks because he's currently hurt from a neck injury. Like he has a, not a broken neck but he has a fractured neck so it's very dangerous this guy shouldn't be in the ring to begin with but he's like pointing out like you can't hit me i'm very hurt right now so we don't know what stark's current status i guess you could say is but i hope he heals well i know it's a slight fracture but you don't want to take any chances so he is not to be cleared for the ring for probably a couple months maybe more than a couple months until he's 100 percent. but he doesn't need surgery so that's good it, it could have been worse that was from a matchup with him and Adam Page where he took a German too high up and landed incorrectly. So I'm glad he's still here with us. So, hey, this is not bad. As I say, in the business of wrestling, this is not ballet. Even though ballet is tough as hell, it's just one of those old sayings. Maybe we should update it for 2021, shall we? Because I know some ballet dancers, they got some messed up feet from years of putting their own body weight. So don't take ballet lightly, folks. So yeah, Hangman's there cheering with like their fans are cheering for him celebrating and one girl puts up her beer and they you know they pitch cheers and he just exits the arena uh next matchup we have is moxley john moxley and eddie kingston versus the young bucks for the aw tag belts so here we got kingston and moxley who bum rush the bucks before they can even get their jackets off and this is typical moxley where he and typical kingston where they just attack and brawl on the outside of the ring so the bell hasn't even rung yet and then towards the Something happened where Brandon Cutler takes a bump for the Bucks. And mind you, he has his or orbital bone broken. So he's wearing that like basketball mask that most people used to wear back, the family opera clear type mask, right? And he takes a serious, uh, what's it called? The uh, filing crown. And then he just gets tossed outside. Thanks for coming, Cutler. Okay, so there after this, uh, the bell finally rings and we get a good tag match where there's offense on both sides. They're both putting in their shit. Bucks heal it, up, uh, heal it up hard to really make their look like douchebags and it's working. These guys know how to be perfect heels and they dress like douchebags now because they're all like pretty much flaunting their cash. So they got these expensive sneakers. They got the off-white Jordan ones on the maybe powder blue or maybe North Carolina blue with the white. Shoes are sick. I wish I could afford a pair of those. But they got matching shoes. They got bootleg off-white tights that look pretty fresh. I mean, these tights go on auction. I might actually buy them to they did look interesting enough to like they're so different from the typical gear like hey this is very clever where you see like the word pocket in their pockets and tights on it like it, the whole off-white aesthetic as you would call it and the match is good up let's see here we go where matt is taunting kingston on and you don't want to do that because ed kingston will definitely screw you up 
they're working on Kingston's leg, but he's able to tag in Mox, and then where Mox is up, has a spot where he gets a double DDT in. Actually, I should just pause this. I should elaborate. The entrance, they came into the updated version of Wild Thing from Major League Movies, that 80s song, Wild Thing, and the whole crowd was singing along, and you, everyone was hyped. Like with the, Kingston and Mox went in there looking like rock stars. Kingston had on the Bad News Bears a jersey. Moxley was just grabbing a random fan's beer and like, crushing on his skull like a Sandman would back in the 90s. And everybody was just really into the match before he even started. So I want to point it out that Kingston got a standing ovation, a huge one of the hugest pops of the whole night. So you definitely know this man's over. And not just from the internet, but everyone who's watching the shows who are going to the events, they're loving Eddie Kingston. I'm glad he gets, he's getting his roses almost 20 years into the business. So back to the match. So they're working on Eddie and getting his leg in. Moxie gets tagged in for double DT. Distraction by Carl Anderson of the Good Brothers. And then Doc Gallows is going to come in from the other side and take out Kingston. But Kingston saw him and takes out Doc Gallows. But Frankie Kazarian, the former member of SU, Frankie Kazarian takes out Carl Anderson in the tunnel. Uh, so the match continues, so there's no interruptions, there's no quote-unquote cheating. But they're still cheating because we get cold spray into Moxie's eyes, which then leads up to a Meltzer driver on the ramp, the stage ramp, and he's busted open. But of course he's also busted open because he did purposely bust a cure can on his head. Early before the match started, I'm assuming, wait a minute, he probably took a can on purpose so he can cut open a blading job he did prior to the match. These are slight things I'm picking up. I'm not as slow as... As most people think, as I am catching these Easter egg type things in between matches because I've seen enough, you know, beyond the match stuff that tells me little tricks of the trade. But I try not to pay too much mind to it because I'm trying to get caught in the storyline and in the moment, kind of like you're watching a play or something. You don't want to, you know, there are actors on the stage, but you just want to watch because you want to be in that world. You want to escape. So the escapism, I love to take over. So here we go where we get a bunch of stuff between these two tag teams. A lot of taunting, a lot of hard hitting, a lot of tandem. Um, let's see. Mox ends up giving a Dior's Day device. Yes, these old Dior, Christian Dior sneakers. The Jordan Christian Dior collab sneakers that they stole from the Bucks. They use them to hit them in the head with it as they're doing this Doomsday device. thought that was a little clever. But in the end, it didn't matter because they ended up getting Kingston out of the ring and doubling up on Moxley with four BTE triggers for them to take his ass down. So they made, he still looks strong and they're used to a lot of cheating. So even though Moxley and Kingston lost in the end of this, they look strong and there was a lot of, a lot of shit happening outside the ring that distracted people. It wasn't like a straight up ass whooping. It was very much like if these guys went straight wrestling match with no cheating, they would have lost. But because they had to use so much to take these two juggernauts down, that's what it came down to because these Moxley and Kingston are brawlers. They're not your typical flashy wrestlers. They could be, they wanted to be because Kingston in the beginning for the match, he did a tope suicida, a man who's about my size. He's about my size doing topes. I'm like, I I applaud you, sir, because I, I know for hell I, I can't do a single move like that and survive it. I will crash and burn faster than anybody would think. But yeah, so, and then Moxley, obviously we know his history with the Shield back in WWE. We know that he was more of a not a high flyer, but he had a aerial, very much aerial style like Seth Rollins did before he put on some pounds and really became a true heavyweight. So, again, another guy that can go to the air and do topes, but at the same time, he has the power to pick up people and do suplexes like nobody's business. And this is where the Bucks retain, and they are still the 
current AEW Tag Team Champions. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. It'll be quick. What's good, everyone? It is the Puerto Rican Pyros, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we are reviewing none other than the most recent pay-per-view from AEW, which is Double or Nothing 2021. And we're going to start off with the buy-in, which is Riho versus Serena D for the NWA Women's title. And this match had to be difficult for the sheer fact, get this, the tent is at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, which is an outdoor amphitheater. You can see the sun setting. Beautiful, right? Except it's a distraction when you're doing acrobatics over the top rope, if you if you are a high flyer, and the sun's right in your eyes. Can you imagine trying to do anything like that and you just constantly get blinded? Like, that, that shit sucks. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It just sucks. So it's a challenge where you're trying to, it's the golden hour. Like, they start the matches up on the golden hour, which is the highest peak, the sunset the sky looks yellow and let me tell you something these two ladies are pros both of them veterans in the business for different reasons one in japan in joshi wrestling and one in i believe obw and also wwe veteran serena d so they both got their caliber of expertise only issue is they both have to deal with the sun and outdoor stadium which hasn't been done much not even just in the weekly episodic wrestling show but also when you do a pay-per-view which usually happens once a year they do something epic outside but because of the pandemic they've been stationed in jacksonville luckily they were able to continue and it's what kept the company afloat you think about it if they couldn't do wrestling outdoors they would have to shut down AEW from the get-go when the pandemic first started until now they would have had to have gone on hiatus and can you imagine trying to build back up after just starting a company up they would have lost so much money so Tony Khan and Shot Khan lucked out that they actually do already have a built-out amphitheater for concerts, you know, like for an arena show, like how you do concerts outdoors. So I'm over here like, okay, this is going to be a tough matchup. And what a matchup it was. You can tell that these ladies know what they're doing. They have both both very distinct styles. Like Riho is a high flyer who does some strong style stuff, but not a lot. She's more of the very much in the vein, I don't like to make comparisons, but similar to how Io Shirai flies everywhere. Rio does that. Only difference is Io Shirai's got a 30 pound advantage on Rio. Rio's like 90 pounds maybe, and she's like five foot two. And Serena Deeb isn't exactly tall, she's five five, but she's at least a normal weight of 120 pounds for a wrestler. Like that's normal weight for late most women, period. But like to be in this business, you kind of have to have some leg weight in your legs, and especially in your thigh areas, if you're able to explode and do certain moves like suplexes, so there's that old motto of like, you know, leg strength is really, leg done never skip leg day, right? So this matchup is great. A lot of technical wrestling, not as much high flying as I expected, but that's a good thing because not every matchup has to be. You're gonna have plenty of that later on. But for this matchup, it was a very solid women's match that even people that aren't typically fans of Rio really gave her uh, a round of applause because she was able to hang in there with a veteran like Serena. And I'm not taking anything away from Rio. She's a veteran, but she started very young. She started in a I think nine, 10 years old, and she's like 24 right now, where Serena Deeb is a veteran of the OBW system, which is a very much important American staple that anybody that graduates from that school has come out to be a megastar in not just WWE, just wherever they ended up. And also if you come from the Landstorm School of Training, or if you come from any of these prestigious schools like the Hart 
dungeon, the heart family. They there's some they carry some weight. And in Mexico, I'm pretty sure there's you know the most like Mascara's family, the Los Santos. Like there's a bunch of families that almost like wrestling is almost like the old school kung fu where they were kind of taught within in house in your own family before it's onto the world. So you're like, oh, you know, you wrestle this style, this style. So these two ladies have come from systems that they are essentially masters of what they know. But in order to have that chemistry in the ring, they must have really trained well because I do know Serena D backstage is occasionally, well, she was out of injury for her leg for, I, believe, I forget it was her ankle or her Achilles. She was out for a few months, but she was able to retain the NWA women's belt because she's that good of a wrestler. They're like, you know what? There's nobody else to for to carry it than you. If you got a couple months off to heal up, go for it. And these two broke, tore down the house. They tore down the house. It was a, uh, a barn burner match. I enjoyed every bit of it. And I was in there, not apprehensive, but it's the buy-in. This isn't technically the pay-per-view. It's the show to get you to buy in to watch the pay-per-view. But I loved it. The fans were so into it. First off, this is a full packed house. And we haven't had much of those except outside of like probably UFC recently. And, you know, with all this occurring with the pandemic and we're kind of getting back to normal, quote unquote normal in Florida, kind of really treated it like it was not a big deal. But that's neither here nor there. They're, they're able to actually have full packed houses now because people are vaccinated. So it's kind of great that we in this side of the world have the luxury to go out to sporting events. And, you know, most of the world's still suffering with this thing. So we're hanging in strong there. I hope everybody is able to get the vaccines they're needed so they can go back to normal as well. So here we go. And this, this main event of the pre-show, it's the only match in the pre-show, but it felt like a main event match. And it was really great back and forth with these two girls. And they tore down the house. I'm literally giving this match a four-star rating. That's how good it was. It was very much like you can tell they have some chemistry in the ring. But it just played out like they've been wrestling before. And the way that Serena was able to get heel heat. And what I mean heel heat, she wasn't trying to be a bad guy. She was ferocious. She treated it like a bout. It felt like an actual match. It did not feel like a wrestling match. It felt like she was in there trying to win the Olympic medal or something. Like, this is how you tear the house down. You bring 110% no matter where you are in the card. And that's what really matters in this business. If you can, you got 10 minutes, uh, hour, whatever time, you utilize that, maximize that time and let people remember it. And this is one match I will not be forgetting. So from here, we go on to the next matchup, which is Brian Cage versus Hangman Adam Page. And it's a one match that I didn't really have much of expectations beforehand, but it's also the Team Taz versus Dark Order beef that's been going on for almost a year now. So it, that's how it ties in. And these two are like the top dogs in both their factions. So I'm like, all right, let's continue this gang warfare. <laughs> so it's a lot of reversals in the offense. Both of them got their shit in uh, over the top maneuvers. They really came in with their like you know this is gonna be a pay-per-view caliber match we're gonna give people pay-per-view uh, pay caliber move sets and they both were very flashy with their moves at first until he got really into the matchup brian goes for a buckshot larry kind of like making fun of adam page but adam page went for f5 because brian cage does the f5 now and then they both reversed with soup german suplexes and i'm like thinking to myself these guys are both giant brock lesnar marks <laughs> And I'm loving it. They're using any move they can find in the arsenal. Poison Ranas, uh, Frankenstein, whatever they can do. And mind you, Brian Cage is a big-ass dude, but he's a flexible big-ass dude. Like, he was not this big not too long ago. So he still has that, quote-unquote, cruiserweight or high-flyer move set. But for a guy that's like, this dude's like 
almost as big as a brick house. Like he can do also power moves on top of that too. So he is, in my opinion, one of the perfect athletes in pro wrestling. Like he looks like what pro wrestling looked like in the 80s and 90s. But the fact that he can move like a wrestler in 2021, that's very impressive. So Brian goes for a buckshot. Then you got Adam Page versus F5. German suplexes all over. Then we get a run in by a hook and Ricky Starks. They come in to help. Cage actually refuses help, and I'm kind of shocked by this. I figured Cage would be like, you know, or I, you know, whatever. But no, he's really trying to prove himself that he doesn't need his team to win. So they're both there egging him on. Ricky Starks there in ringside, hook there. And he's like, give him the FTW belt. And he's like, nah, I can do this on my own. And then Brian Cage, being overconfident, tosses Adam Page aside, looks, be, turns his back to his opponent. Rule number one, you never turn your back to your opponent. So Hangman sets up for the buckshot lariat and catches him as he's turning around. And he takes all out on him and hard. And guess what? One, two, three, pinned, and Hangman won that match. And then you get that post-match beef section where you think that Brian Cage is like dissented and turned his team, but he can't beat up Starks because he's currently hurt from a neck injury. Like he has a not a broken neck, but he has a fractured neck, so it's very dangerous. This guy shouldn't be in the ring to begin with. But he's like pointing out like you can't hit me. I'm very hurt right now. So we don't know what Stark's current status, I guess you could say, is. But I hope he heals well. I know it's a slight fracture, but you don't want to take any chances. So he is not to be cleared for the ring for probably a couple months, maybe more than a couple months until he's 100%. But he doesn't need surgery, so that's good. It, it could have been worse. That was from a matchup with him and Adam Page where he took a German too high up and landed incorrectly. So I'm glad he's still here with us. So, hey, this is... Not bad, as they say in the business of wrestling, this is not ballet. Even though ballet is tough as hell, it's just one of those old sayings. Maybe we should update it for 2021, shall we? Because I know some ballet dancers, they got some messed up feet from years of putting their own body weight. So don't take ballet lightly, folks. So yeah, Hangman's there cheering with, like their fans are cheering for him, celebrating. And one girl puts up her beer and they, you know, they pit cheers and he just exits the arena. Uh, next matchup we have is Moxley, John Moxley, and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Belts. So here we got Kingston and Moxley who bum rush the Bucks before they can even get their jackets off. And this is typical Moxley where he, and typical Kingston where they just attack and brawl on the outside of the ring. So the bell hasn't even rung yet. And then towards the, something happened where Brandon Cutler takes a bump for the Bucks. And mind you, he has his or, orbital bone broken. So he's wearing that like basketball mask that most people used to wear back the family opera clear type mask right and he takes a serious uh what's it called the uh filing crown and then he just gets tossed outside thanks for coming cutler okay so there after this uh the bell finally rings and we get a good tag match where there's offense on both sides they're both putting in their shit bucks heal it up, uh, heal it up hard to really make their look like douchebags and it's working these guys know how to be perfect heels and they dress like douchebags now because they're all like pretty much flaunting their cash so they got these expensive sneakers they got the off-white jordan ones on the baby powder blue or maybe north carolina blue with the white shoes are sick i wish i could afford a pair of those but they got matching shoes they got bootleg off-white tights that look pretty fresh i mean these tights go on auction i might actually buy them to they did look interesting enough to like they're so different from the typical gear like hey this is very clever where you see like the word pocket in their pockets and tights on it like it, the whole off-white aesthetic as you would call it and the match is good up let's see here we go where matt is taunting kingston on and you don't want to do that because that kingston will definitely screw you up 
they're working on Kingston's leg, but he's able to tag in Mox, and then where Mox is up, has a spot where he gets a double DDT in. Actually, I should just pause this. I should elaborate. The entrance, they came into the updated version of Wild Thing from Major League Movies, that 80s song, Wild Thing, and the whole crowd was singing along, and you, everyone was hyped. Like with the, Kingston and Mox went in there looking like rock stars. Kingston had on the Bad News Bears a jersey. Moxley was just grabbing a random fan's beer and like, crushing on his skull like a Sandman would back in the 90s. And everybody was just really into the match before it even started. So I want to point it out that Kingston got a standing ovation, a huge one of the hugest pops of the whole night. So you definitely know this man's over. And not just from the internet, but everyone who's watching the shows who are going to the events, they're loving Eddie Kingston. I'm glad he gets, he's getting his roses almost 20 years into the business. So back to the match. So they're working on Eddie and getting his leg in. Moxie gets tagged in for a double DDT. Distraction by Carl Anderson of the Good Brothers. And then Doc Gallows is going to come in from the other side and take out Kingston. But Kingston saw him and takes out Doc Gallows. But Frankie Kazarian, the former member of SU, Frankie Kazarian takes out Carl Anderson in the tunnel. Uh, so the match can continue, so there's no interruptions. There's no quote-unquote cheating. But they're still cheating because we get cold spray into Moxie's eyes, which then leads up to a Meltzer driver on the ramp, the stage ramp, and he's busted open. But of course he's also busted open because he did purposely bust a cure can on his head. Early before the match started, I'm assuming, wait a minute, he probably took a can on purpose so he can cut open a blading job he did prior to the match. These are slight things I'm picking up. I'm not as slow as... As most people think, as I am catching these Easter egg type things in between matches because I've seen enough, you know, beyond the match stuff that tells me the little tricks of the trade. But I try not to pay too much mind to it because I'm trying to get caught in the storyline and in the moment, kind of like you're watching a play or something. You don't want to, you know, there are actors on the stage, but you just want to watch because you want to be in that world. You want to escape. So the escapism, I love to take over. So here we go where we get a bunch of stuff between these two tag teams. A lot of taunting, a lot of hard hitting, a lot of tandem. Um, let's see. Mox ends up giving a Dior's Day device. Yes, these old Dior, Christian Dior sneakers. The Jordan Christian Dior collab sneakers that they stole from the Bucks. They use them to hit them in the head with it as they're doing this Doomsday device. thought that was a little clever. But in the end, it didn't matter because they ended up getting Kingston out of the ring and doubling up on Moxley with four BTE triggers for them to take his ass down. So they made, he still looks strong and they used a lot of cheating. So even though Moxley and Kingston lost in the end of this, they look strong and there was a lot of, a lot of shit happening outside the ring that distracted people. It wasn't like a straight up ass whooping. It was very much like if these guys went straight wrestling match with no cheating, they would have lost. But because they had to use so much to take these two juggernauts down, that's what it came down to because these Moxley and Kingston are brawlers. They're not your typical flashy wrestlers. They could be, they wanted to be because Kingston in the beginning for the match, he did a tope suicida, a man who's about my size. He's about my size doing topes. I'm like, I I applaud you, sir, because I, I know for hell I, I can't do a single move like that and survive it. I will crash and burn faster than anybody would think. But yeah, so, and then Moxley, obviously we know his history with the Shield back in WWE. We know that he was more of a not a high flyer, but he had a aerial, very much aerial style like Seth Rollins did before he put on some pounds and really became a true heavyweight. So, again, another guy that can go to the air and do topes, but at the same time, he has the power to pick up people and do suplexes like nobody's business. And this is where the Bucks retain, and they are still the current AW Tag Team Champions. 
We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. It'll be quick. 